Welcome in once again to the Sunday Nighter on the Talking Tide podcast. I am your co-host, Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined from a uh, remote locale by my other fine co-host, Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. More on that in just a minute. The Talking Tide podcast available to you wherever you like to get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. You can catch us live on Facebook and YouTube as well. The Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. You can get links very quickly uh, to all of our podcasts through that Twitter feed. So be sure to uh, check that out and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. We want to thank our sponsors really quickly. Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and North River Dental Associates. More on them as well as our corporate sponsor, DraftKings. A bit later in this edition of the podcast, Travis, uh, uh, we bring you in. You you look you look warm and cozy in those cabins yeah. irons there. Yeah, I'm out. Uh, I'm I'm bounty hunting for the outlaw Josie Wales. <laughs> what I'm doing yeah. right now. Yeah, Hold trying on. to run him down. You know, mm-hmm. finally, finally bring him to justice. But no, yeah. man, just uh, watch out for little, red legs. Yeah, a little cabin life. Red legs. He was awful. Just awful, but a little cabin life here next few days. Not too bad. Alabama, of course, completed its final scrimmage of the preseason on Saturday afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, Storm system coming into Tuscaloosa actually cut it a little bit short. Nick Saban saying that uh, they were robbed of uh, about uh, 10 plays on each side, Uh, but they did manage to get some pretty good work in, Travis, and uh, it was a Red Elephant Club scrimmage, so of course the Songbirds were out. Uh, <laughs> not not only after, but I, they were singing during the scrimmage. Yeah, they were singing into yonder can. <laughs> no question, no question. They like to sing. Uh, Nick Saban's comments afterwards, though, lamented the twos for sure. Did not like what he saw from a depth standpoint and, and uh, the, the second units really on either side of the ball, I think particularly on offense, uh, but did say he felt like the, the first team was improved. And I thought most notable in that was uh, the, the offensive line and the wide receivers uh, as well. Uh, no drops. That's something that Saban's been lamenting going all the way back to the spring. I wrote about that in my column off of the scrimmage. Uh, no drops among the first group, and it looks like they were pretty crisp in the passing game. Yeah, it sounded like absolutely the receivers stepped forward after a not-so-impressive outing maybe the previous Saturday. So that was a good thing to to hear Nick Saban talk about and to get some other accounts in terms of how some guys step forward to go along with Jermaine Burton, Ja'Cory Brooks, Kobe Prentice, another one of these true freshmen that it sounds like might be hard to keep out of a rotational role of some sorts. Uh, Treshawn Holden, an experienced guy, sounds like he stepped up in a big way on Saturday. So good stuff from the receivers. Uh, the first group on that offensive line, you two scrimmages in, Chase. Dare we go ahead and venture to guess that that's the five we're going to see against Utah State? Kind of has that feeling to it at this point, doesn't it? You know, you really – I don't think there's much of any shuffling going on in the aftermath of the second scrimmage at, at any spot, but especially the offensive line where you need to have uh, – you need to gel with what you got. You need to go with what you have and, 
And uh, sure, there could be a, a, a midseason shuffle, uh, but it certainly looks like J.C. Latham and Tyler Steen have locked down those tackle spots, Latham on the right side, Steen over on the left side. Sounds like Kendall Randolph continues to get a lot uh, of work at left guard. I believe J.B. and Cohen worked more with the twos, and he was a regular starter last season. So that's been one interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been an interesting development there. It has. And again, we've talked about sort of the situation involving Javion over the summer. Needed to address some things off the field. Um, sounds like he took some nice and needed steps in that direction. That being said, you know, on the field, a guy like Kendall Randolph chomping at the bit for an opportunity to finish his career at Alabama as an every down starter. And you're right. Sounds like at that left guard position, maybe right now he's in a position to do that next to Tyler Steen. I have it on, I'll call it relatively high authority, Travis, that Bryce Young was 20 of 25 for 360 <laughs> plus and four scores uh, in this scrimmage. Uh, caught a big chunk of that, over 180 yards for him. I understand he beat DeMarco Hellams for one big play. Uh, so it would be, uh, it would certainly be, a big boost to to this offense if they're able to get, whether it's Holden or Earl when he comes back or Brooks, uh, they, they need a couple of a couple guys really to uh, to step up alongside Jermaine Burton and make an impact. Doesn't sound like Tyler Harrell's there yet. May have mm-hmm. to be somebody else. Yeah, you know, with Holden, you kind of figured with uh, Earl out and, you know, Aaron Anderson not really a part of things right now due to injury there at that inside receiver position and Christian Leary still trying to grow and work through some inconsistencies, maybe where his hands are involved as much as anything else. There's an opportunity there in those three wide receiver sets, not just with that third spot, but the second spot as well. But it seems like it's becoming more and more easier anyway to draw some conclusions as to an early in the season top three with Burton and Brooks and perhaps Holden, who, you know, by all accounts, again, some explosive plays in that scrimmage on Saturday. And that's sort of the thing when you think about Treshawn Holden, you wonder about a little bit. Good size, 6'3", 210 or so. Um, Doesn't make you think of Jamison Williams. Not many guys do when it comes to the vertical passing game. But it sounds like he did some good things both down the field, stretching the field, but then also after the catch. And if he can do that, again, when you go back to his size and those attributes, you already feel good about him where red zone and third down situations are concerned. You do. And, 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 I, and you know, Young's got to build some chemistry with – it's got to start with two guys. If you've got three, that's great. You, gotta, you, you at least need two. He's got – uh, he'll and he'll be able to find Cameron Latou, who, who cannot be forgotten in this discussion, right? Uh, he should be just about back now, or pretty close to it. Uh, when camp began, he was supposedly a couple weeks away with a knee injury. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly, you'd think he'd be back in time for the Utah State game. Cameron Latou uh, showed out, I thought, pretty effectively as as. Uh, as a pass catcher last season as well. And and when he gets back healthy, it's going to help them all. Yeah. And then Gibbs coming in from tech with his ability to catch it out of the backfield, uh, maybe more diversity when you think about it, not as, 
dependent upon the guys on the outside, maybe, as they were a year ago. I mean, they were hella dependent on Jamison Williams and John Mechie, but you know, Brian Robinson was he was effective enough as a receiver. But with Jameer Gibbs, you're talking about the potential of a touchdown every time he catches it, regardless of where he catches it on the football field. So there's a comfortability, too, though, that Bryce seems to have developed, even with some of these guys not being frontline options a year ago. Treshawn Holden's one of those guys. That's been evident. You know, Treshawn, I think in the game against Georgia in January, caught six, seven, eight passes. Now, didn't total a lot of yards, but again, just in terms of that confidence that Bryce has in these guys, you know, Treshawn's been one of those guys. He hit Brooks on some big plays, uh, especially in that Auburn game last November. Uh, and of course, you expect that to be the case with Burton. So that's what I like about this dynamic, too. Yes, there's a lot of production to replace, but from Bryce's vantage point, doesn't seem like he has much of a problem or a hesitancy in terms of looking some of these new guys or newer guys up. Emmanuel Henderson apparently working some at wide receiver as well. Uh, noteworthy from from Nick Saban's post-practice comments. You talk about Gibbs and his ability to catch it out of the backfield. He was very effective at Georgia Tech in that regard. Uh, and, and it's been nothing but going reviews on him in that regard. Uh, since he arrived for spring practice, I wonder, and this is speculative on my part, this is nothing I've heard from uh, a practice field source, but I wonder, Travis, if they might not work Gibbs out, split out, like they did with Kenyon Drake a little bit, try to catch a linebacker on him possibly in the passing game where instead of throwing him swing passes from the backfield, just go ahead and line him out, up out there and uh, and 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 give them wide receiver space. Yeah, one of my original things that I came to mind anyway when it was evident that Jameer Gibbs was going to be joining the program was exactly what you're talking about. And you know maybe that goes back to more 21 personnel with two backs on the field, but you know his skill set is such that absolutely you can use him. In that sort of fashion. In fact, you, if you go back and you watch Georgia Tech uh, the last season or two while he was there, that was already something Tech was doing. So I would think that Bill O'Brien has done his due diligence from a history perspective with Jameer Gibbs. And if he hadn't already thought of that, um, I'm, I'm guessing it came to him pretty quick. And so, you know, Nick Saban loves his explosive plays, man. And, you know, kind of like, first five of, of an offensive line or pass rush combinations on defense, you know, however he can produce those um, at a maximum rate, he's going to look to do that with his personnel. So a lot of versatility though, with Jameer Gibbs in terms of what they might be able to do this season with him in the lineup. I want to thank those of you out there who have joined us live here on either Facebook or YouTube. Paul Malone checking in, uh, a Talking Tide fan on the Facebook comments. Good to have Paul along for the ride here on the Sunday Nighter. I'm going to thank a couple of sponsors right now, Travis, uh, and uh, then move on to talk a little, a little bit about the defensive side of the football uh, from the scrimmage. But first, Going to tell you all about North River Dental Associates and that great service you get from Dr. Jack Smalley and none other. He's got a great staff of dental hygienists over there 
conveniently located in Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road. Dental implants, oral surgery, dentures, endodontics, they do it all. Laser dentistry, pediatric dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, porcelain veneers, teeth whitening services, always popular. And of course, also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments uh, to tighten up those facial features for you at North River Dental Associates on a routine cleaning, which you need to get in there and do twice a year. Uh, they will get you in and out of there typically in under an hour. Last time I was there, I, I spent as much time chatting with Jack as I did uh, get my teeth worked on and still got out of there in, in, in under an hour. It's always a great experience at North River Dental. If you'd like to make an appointment, NorthRiverDentist.com is the website. Uh, you can do it there or give them a call at 205-752-3506. It is North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. There you see them, the traditional favorite, the hand-dipped chocolate strawberries. There you see it. Really the staple of the Peterbrook Chocolatier arsenal, that outstanding chocolate popcorn there at Peterbrook. Peterbrook Chocolatier coming up on that 15th birthday, good bread. A decade and a half well, of decadence. Really? Yeah. A decade yeah. and a half of decadence. And uh, the champions of chocolate just keep rolling there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. I know they certainly appreciate all the folks that have made the last 15 years such a great thing for both Peterbrook Chocolatier and the Tuscaloosa area. 205-752-0211. You can give them a call if you have that special order. Holidays are going to be here before you know it. So if you're in charge of maybe the family get-together or a corporate sort of gifting uh, initiative, give that number a call and go ahead and get them started for you. You'll have a lot less stressful holiday season for it. I guess that Peterbrook launch coincided with the Nick Saban tenure launch. Did it not? Oh, seven. Yeah. Or, yeah. I think Peterbrook looks at it like Nick's tenure coincided. Right. You know, yeah. With Peterbrook start. No, seriously. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, Peterbrook chocolatier 2007, um, September 1st, I believe it was. And right about that same time you had Nick Saban in his debut against it was the Catamounts, wasn't it, of Western, Western Carolina? Carolina? And Terry Grant busted one for yes. 50 yards right out of the yes. game for you. Yes, yeah. so there you go. Been a hell of a duo in Tuscaloosa, right? No doubt, no doubt. Finally going to tell our folks all about DraftKings. That would be our corporate sponsor, football fans. Join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, the first NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. You can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, you can get your first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. You buy, you sell, you bid, and win player card NFTs. Biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on the DraftKings marketplace. Next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app right now. Sign up with promo code TPPN. That'll help us out here on Talking Tide. It's the acronym for the Pigskin Podcast Network. TPPN is your promo code. You click the Rainmakers file and uh, you opt in to get your first card for free. Once again, it's DraftKings. All right, Travis. 
flipping it over here, and we're going to talk a little bit of defense before we get out of here uh, on this edition of Talking Tide. Uh, some interesting things coming out of the scrimmage in that regard. Terry and Arnold getting a lot of work with the ones. We'll start there. Uh, Kyrie Jackson and Eli Ricks have both been dinged up a little bit in camp. Uh, and, and Arnold, by every account that's that's come to my ears anyway, has done a really nice job of, of stepping into what's been a little bit of a practice void. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's locked down a starter's job, but he's done a He's done good work with the opportunity he's been given. Yeah, can't make the club from the tub, right? And yeah. so with a couple of corners down and or limited here of late, Terry and Arnold getting a lot of run there opposite Kool-Aid McKinstry and pretty much what you said, hearing some positive things about him as a second-year player still, you know, still very new to this, the sort of situation he's been thrust into here of late, but no, I don't get the sense either that there's this panic if it is Terry and Arnold to go along with Kuwait McKinstry. Would I expect them to take some lumps even as recently as Saturday's scrimmage? Yeah, I would. I, I think that's probably where he's still at in terms of his development. But critical factors that we hear so much about from Nick Saban, the things he looks for in a corner, size, uh, man coverage ability, you got to be smart. You know, you got to be able to tackle. You got to be able to play in space. Sounds like Terry and Arnold can do all those things, but it will be interesting in these next few days, especially as we get closer to depth chart Monday, to see if Eli Ricks can get back into that thing from a health perspective, first and foremost, and then Kyrie Jackson coming off an issue of his own. And, you know, is it too late at this point for one of those two guys uh, to make a, a serious run at the top of the depth chart with just a little bit of a week left before game week. Elsewhere in the secondary, Jordan Battle, who was dinged up in practice a little bit this week himself, he was out there, Travis. And from <laughs> what I understand, he was out there in a black shirt. Uh, but I guess the rule was you couldn't block him. No one told him he couldn't hit. Uh, because from what I understand, he, he lit a, a couple people up pretty good early in the scrimmage in a black shirt. So uh, there you have that. It looks like Jordan battles just fine. Sounded like it. Uh, sounded like he was making plays pretty much from the outset. And so that's, that's great news. Just that he was out there in any capacity after some of the message board and internet panic that consumed the Alabama fan base to a large extent late last week. But uh, to hear that he's going to be fine, and not only that, looking exactly like you hope he would look at this point going into his final season in the program, that's just that's all the better. Linebacker position, uh, I, I got kind of, I guess I'll say, conflicting reports from scrimmage viewers about the Moody slash Deontay loss in exchange at inside linebacker next to Henry Toa Toa, one uh, felt like M Moody looked like the guy. The other one felt like Lawson got in there and and and, and worked with the ones uh, enough that, that that job still could be up in the air. Like we said at the top of the show, though, it's getting a little late for these position battles to linger much of any uh, much further, Travis, because we're at the point now where the coaching staff has got to start uh, – cutting reps down for backups and accelerating reps for starters. Yeah. You know, you can get as situational, I think at that inside linebacker position right now, as you want to, too. 
Um, I would think Henry Toa Toa is the every down guy. Uh, but Deontay Lawson, watching him in pass coverage, a little bit we've gotten to see to this point, really impressive. He's impressive between the tackles, too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, man, I mean, there are scenarios where you you could get all three of those guys into the mix mm-hmm. on a down-by-down basis. Again, thinking that Toa Toa is the one guy that's every down, but, you know, with the different things you can do with base and nickel and, you know, even in the dime package, if you wanted to, uh, you could spread some reps around three guys. I don't know if that's the ideal scenario, um, but if you got two guys at one spot like Moody and Lawson that are deserving of playing time and you trust them both, you know, maybe that's a situation, Chase, we see extend over into the regular season. And speaking of getting three guys on the field at the same time, the Anderson, Turner, Braswell trio that we've heard about uh, maybe in Dime Rabbits looks, third and long, et cetera, uh, that continues to be something Alabama works with. Sounds like uh, that they went with that trio on the field together uh, a little bit a little bit more than expected this past Saturday. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. See those three guys on the field with two inside linebackers. That's that's five right there. Let's say you're in nickel. So you're going to have three outside linebackers, two inside linebackers, and a one defensive line, one true defensive end nose tackle type. One, one big defensive tackle maybe. maybe that can handle two gaps or two plays yeah. or two offensive linemen. Yeah. Now look. You know, the X factor and all that's Will Anderson because when you look at it in terms of measurables, you, you're you light. I mean, you're just light as far as three or four or five guys that are 230 to 245. Right. And then you got one guy that's 300 pounds. So, I mean, you do the math on all that. Um, you're light even by today's standards. But, you know, some of these teams you're going to see are going to spread the field on a down-by-down basis. I think that'll probably start with Utah State in the season opener. Now, you get more into Texas, maybe Sark gives you some you know, heavier personnel, makes you adapt to that. Maybe you can't do it against everybody. But maybe there are some situations and some teams where you know the way that they play allows you to get away with being lighter to that extent. I don't think when you go against, say, maybe a Texas A&M, you're going to want to be that light in the box because Jimbo is mm. still going to try to run it at you with a tight end or two on the field, maybe a fullback and a tight end. Yeah. Um, LSU with Brian Kelly, I think, going to be tight end friendly in that offense. Auburn's still going to probably be that way um, with Brian Harson in that offense. So I don't know if it's a an every down, every week situation, Chase, but you know, some weeks you might be able to run it out there more than just in the Rabbits. It reminds me a little bit of the of the a story that Saban has told infrequently. I've probably only heard him mention it once or twice, but when he coached for Earl Bruce at Ohio State uh, and wanted to get five DBs on the field, wanted more speed on the field to deal with the passing game, Earl was a stickler for uh, seven and eight man fronts, and he was he's also a stickler for. Uh, for that strong safety being basically an extra linebacker. And Nick, <laughs> Nick, Nick kind of saw where that was going before it went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a different game, a little different game. Hell, it's a different game just in 
terms of 10 years ago, you know, yeah. you, you think about some of the, the Alabama defenses and the way they've played just here in the last decade under Nick Saban and how much he's continued to evolve and adapt in terms of his approach and, and, and what he feels good about running out there. Poor Lee Osment would have been a, a Mike linebacker <laughs> day, day and age or something. Yeah, no, he, no, Lee, Lee was probably a Mike back then, but they played him at safety, but no, I mean, he was a really good player and, um, you're right. It's just a it's a different different game altogether. I mean, when you get in dime now, your Mac, your middle linebacker, and your dime, he better be able to to get into coverage and play some man to man. Even I mean, yeah. your slot corners now have to be able to play man. Your safeties have to be able to man up with the way teams spread the field. One reason I think Nick's been working Brian Branch at corner cornerback a little bit too, uh, because especially if injuries uh continue to hamper ricks and or jackson into the season maybe maybe mm -hmm. maybe you see a little bit more branch at corner you could you know you've got jacques robinson still uh in that mix uh that apparently worked with the twos i guess on saturday with uh corner down and another one trying to get back so uh, you're starting to you know this is where you start to wonder too um or a little junior the the signee that came in from South Florida, the son of the Miami legacy, and uh, had to have the shoulder injury fixed from high school. You you wonder right now where he might be in all this um, if, if he were if he were able to go. That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Want to thank our listeners and viewers for joining us here once again. Be sure to uh, bring us back next Sunday night. Travis and I by that point will be. Uh, uh, looking ahead to Utah State, and uh, that'll be that'll be depth chart Monday Eve draft mm. next mm. Monday. Mm. So uh, maybe we even postpone next week's podcast till that organizational organizational groupings, administrative, yeah, yeah, administrative <laughs> ors, a lot of ors on that first uh, administrative groupings chart. All over the place. And cap capital O, capital R. Yes. You know, capital O. Yes. Screaming at you. that it, <laughs> It's not this guy. It could be this guy. Uh, that's going to do it for us. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News, and we will talk to you next week here on Talking Tide.